The New Rochelle Rotary Club has a history that goes back to 1919. In all those years, we've only seen a handful of deserving gentlemen inducted as lifetime members. It's an honor that, um, that has seen 57 names enshrined on the wall of honor. And tonight, we make it 58. So please stand as I present my very good friend, the man who keeps our pencils sharp <laughs> and our pens in ink, Frank William Avignale. I stand here humbled by the presence of Mayor Robert Wagner and our club president, Jack Barnes, most of all, I'm honored to see my loving wife, Paula, and my son, Frank Jr. Sitting in the front row. <laughs> Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> this week on a podcast. Cash your Pan Am paycheck, get professional advice from Perry Mason and Marcus Welby, and fly 6,000 miles per hour at an altitude of 300 feet. That's right. This week we're talking about Catch Me If You Can on 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love. I'm Jason Martin. I am Paul Cullen. And uh, Catch Me If You Can, more like Watch Me If You Can, one of the most unwatchable movies in the history of cinema. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. I loved it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it had to be said. Yeah, and for those of you that are paying attention, uh, we're doing the final five movies in order. Um, this is number four. I'm going to go on a limb and say that this is probably somewhere around four mm -hmm. on your list. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it is, it is the best Steven Spielberg movie. It is the best Leonardo DiCaprio movie. It's the best Tom Hanks movie. It's because none of them are any further on your list. It's right? the second best Christopher Walken movie. <laughs> so you know uh, i'm kind of struck by the the second best mm -hmm. christopher walken movie and the first best christopher walken movie the characters there's a lot of similarity yeah between those two characters right. and and it, it's just struck me watching it this last time like i know the other movie's coming up but and i hadn't really seen it in full with that character in a couple of months because i watched it a couple months ago but uh we're talking about here his number one movie, which mm -hmm. is I won't mention it right now. Right. 
But uh, now I'm going to have to look at that when I see it. I'm like, okay, I'll have to go back and look. But uh, there's a lot of similarities, I think. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look for those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the movie opens up um, with an outstanding uh, credit sequence. With that music. The uh, animated sequence. Yeah. Did you know they did that? Um, well, part of it was, was, was it all with typewriters? I mean, part um, of it was, it was all stamps. It was all, they, they would cut up figures. It oh, was all okay. Like stop I was talking about the music. I'm sorry. But it was yeah, all yeah. stop motion. Right. And uh, it was all done with the uh, artwork. Okay. So, like, I, it's outstanding. And it's very of the time of as far as when the movie uh, starts, the early, early mid-60s, as far as the style. Man. We talked recently about how the credit sequence for Psycho is a similar a little bit of similar kind of uh, fonts and things like that. Um, the outstanding credit sequence just... If you paid attention, it uh, foreshadowed a lot of the plot. Mm -hmm. The two characters, multiple characters going through the emotions on the screen in front of you for the credits. Yes, yeah, it did. Um, and it's just, a, you know, it's rare that a movie goes to that trouble to really, um, you know, I don't know grab you i guess early on but it does a great job um and the movie opens up the first thing we see is uh an episode of to tell the truth uh, hosted by joe garagiola um someone who used to see all the time uh who used to for a long time was uh nbc uh, baseball announcer um and nbc for a long time was always the uh the World Series, uh, you know, and uh, the Game of the Week on Saturday afternoons uh, was always NBC up until I think the early 90s, I believe, is when CBS uh, took that over and eventually um, but uh, Fox got it. But, uh, you know, Joe Gargiola was there, uh, former uh, Yankee great uh, and a great one of the uh, one of the uh, celebrity panelists was Kitty Carlisle. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. He was a staple of a lot of those. Uh, those game show type plays. I'm then. assuming that they uh, got an old episode that actually had Frank Abagnale on it. They filmed new spots with DiCaprio and the two people standing next to him. Mm -hmm. And then they would cut back to the original videotape. Um, I don't know. Because actually. Joe Gragiola and, and Kitty Carla, I believe, were both dead when this was made. I, I, I think they were live. Do you think it was all new stuff? I think they, think they, they filmed it. Obviously, they picked Kitty Carla out of Hey, this is someone who would have been on this show yes. back then. And Joe Garajola is someone who could have hosted this kind of show. Uh, I just thought the Leo uh, stuff was new and that stuff was old. Um, I don't know, actually. I think I think they filmed it for this. I'm not sure, actually. Um, I think that Kitty Carlisle, because she was on an episode of uh, Futurama, you know, how they, on Futurama they had the heads in a jar. Uh -huh. And I think that she was I thought, even it, was just, I thought it was just a voice that sounded like. I don't know. I think uh, I think she might have still been alive. Actually, I'm not sure. Actually, you know, I've never looked that up, but um, it could be. I don't know. Um, but it's great. To, you know, they're telling you the major plot points of his uh, of his con. Telling about him portraying an airline pilot, uh, him being a doctor, him being a lawyer, and they're basically telling you some of the main uh, plot points of the of the movie. Um, and uh, and then the real Frank. Um, says uh you know it talks about the fbi agent that finally caught him and, and he's like his name was carl hanratty and it smash cut to uh and he just looks up uh did kitty carlisle film catch me if you can 
Her last movie appearance was in Catch Me If You Can. Okay. So that was uh, her yeah. and, and Joe filmed for that. Right. A recreating of the episode. Okay. Okay. I thought so. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I wasn't sure, but uh, so you see the introduction of Carl Hanratty, and it shows the scene Christmas Eve, nineteen sixty nine. It shows the prison, um, and uh, Carl went to uh, visit Frank in prison, and. Uh, to read him the uh, articles of extradition. Carl uses the umbrella, uh, has to use the umbrella while sitting there talking to him because the jail, uh, it's raining outside and the jail was leaking all over him. So he's using the umbrella. Um, and uh, Frank is in the, in the cell. Frank's in bad shape. Um, and uh, Frank's saying, help me. And uh, they, uh, they get him out because they think he's sick. They put him in the prison bed. And Carl's arguing with the... Uh, the prison the prison guys um, he escapes and uh, the prisoner is making noise but he doesn't go far eventually one of the guards catches up puts a gun to his head and he gives up and he's like okay Carl let's go home and this is where we get back to um, we get back to uh, New Rochelle uh, Rotary Club um, which is uh, uh, Frank you see Frank Jr. tearing the labels off the wine bottle and uh uh, James Brolin is here playing Jack Barnes, uh, introducing his dad, Christopher Walken, uh, Frank Sr. And he's talking about how great he is. And uh, Frank Jr., you see that he's legitimately really happy for his dad, like really clapping hard. Um, and uh, we get uh, Chris Walken here doing a little uh, speech. He's like, two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. First mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard he eventually turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as if this as if at this moment, I am that second mouse. And Frank Jr. applauds enthusiastic enthusiastically. He's crying like he's happy for him. And it's a great little that two little mice thing was something that uh, was a catchphrase from this that I repeated hundred times. Mice. Two mice, you know, two mice. Yeah, and. Uh, and you get back to the uh, their house, and uh, Frank Jr. is dancing with his mom, and uh, they're talking, telling the story about the tiny French village um, that he has heard countless times. Frank Jr. is basically reciting the reciting it as they tell it. He's he he knows the story. He's heard it a bunch about how these parents met, and uh, the uh, you know his mom is while she's dancing, she spills wine on a carpet. She's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And uh, Frank Jr. goes to get something to clean it up, and they're dancing. They're just dancing anyway. They don't care. It's not a big deal. They're just, you see how happy they are. Um, and uh, the next morning, Frank wakes up. Uh, Frank Sr. wakes up Frank Jr., and you see the uh, see uh, issues of the flash on his nightstand. And uh, he already made him breakfast. And uh, he says, you don't have to go to school today. He says, why is it snowing? And Frank Sr. says, do you have a black suit? Um, and uh, you don't know what's going on. It's just that he's saying, you're not going to school today. Do you have a black suit? And you know something's up. Yeah, so you go to the, they go outside of this clothing store, and uh, he's telling the woman at this clothing store, he needs a black suit. There was a death in the family. War hero. Military funeral. Planes flying overhead. 21-gun salute. Um and uh, and he says, "Is this yours?" And he 
dangles a necklace. He says, it must have slipped right off your neck. And uh, so he gets a suit to make Frank Jr. look like he's posing as a limo driver. Um, and uh, Frank Sr. says, you know why the Yankees always win? And Frank Jr. says, because he always have Mickey Mantle. It's like, no, because the other teams can't stop staring at those damn pinstripes. Which is uh, a big big point of this movie. Of, he comes put up, up a couple of different times. Yeah. yeah. But you put up the, well, his philosophy is image over substance. Image over substance and people will, will be dazzled by it, will believe it, will buy into it. Basically, if you act, you act the part, people will, will believe you. Yeah, but there's a second part to this and that's it. Without the substance, right. the job doesn't get done. Yes, yes. Uh, you have to have the Mickey Mantle on the team. Without right. the Mickey Mantle on the team, it's not the Yankees. Right. It's the same thing with pinstripes. If you're not wearing the pinstripes, you're not the Yankees. You right. need both of them. Right. But his dad is telling him, hey, you just need the one part. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, uh, he's like the manager, Chase Man- manager of Chase Manhattan Bank is about to open the door for your father. And uh, he's wanting to get a loan, basically, to keep his business going. Um, he's talking to the loan officer and uh, he's like, you know, he's basically giving him a sob story of like, you know, I need to, you need, I need you to help me win. And he's like, you know, it's not about winning or losing. It's about risk. And uh, Frank Sr. says, you're the largest bank in the world. Where's the fuck? Where's the risk? And he starts to say, where's the fucking risk? But he stops himself. Where's the, where's the risk? And uh, he had to sell their car. Um, um so they don't have a car anymore. He had to sell their car to get some money. Um, they're moving to a smaller place, moving to an apartment instead of a house. Um, and, uh, you know, he says, where's your mom at? She went to go look for a job. Um, and uh, Frank Jr. is cooking pancakes. He's like, you know, you know, pancakes? He's like, for dinner on my son's 16th birthday? We're not going to have pancakes. And uh, he gives him a checking account. He's like, I put $25 in it. Don't tell your mother. He's like, there's 50 checks there. He said, from now on, you're in their little club. And Frank Jr. really, really takes this uh, lesson to heart about the checking account. And uh, this is where Frank Jr. goes into his new school. He's wearing uh, basically a school uniform type thing. And uh, this bully, um, this football guy goes by him and just kind of bumps into him on purpose, messes with him. So they get into there and uh, someone says, yeah, he looks like a sub. And... Um, and then he's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a substitute teacher. And the bully's like, oh, shit, you know. I'm and he starts thing. taking over the class, and he acts like a sub, and people are expecting him to be the sub. Right. They were pointing out that he looks like a sub. Mm-hmm. And he basically says all the right things and pushes people around. Yeah. And even when the, sub, the actual substitute comes in, he just kind of leads in and goes, I always substitute for Mrs. Harrison or whatever. Right, right, right. And it's like, he's just, like, just really mad and walks yeah. away, and he just plays the part. Yeah. He's just a natural at it. Yeah, yeah, and I got I like he's got the bully reading the reading French, and that's like the worst pronunciation you can yeah. use. Like, you know, whatever, just terrible. Uh, Worse than Joey Tribbiani. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, the principal, uh, you see him tell his parents uh, he's he's been teaching Mrs. Whatever's French class for the last week, and uh, he's like he had a teacher parent conference and he's planning on a field trip to a French bread factory. <laughs> just so great. Um, and uh, he's waiting outside, and this one girl was uh, got their, a note from her parents, which was fake. He's like, there's no crease in the paper. If it's real, where's the crease? The first thing you do is put it in your pocket, right? So basically, he's telling this, you know, telling people, you know, how to get away with stuff, how yeah. to con people, 
you know, how to get away with things. So. But he also shows that he recognizes when something is fake. Yes. He, he sees the note and he, he didn't know the girl, mm-hmm. presumably, because he's new at school. Didn't know the girl. Doesn't know anything about the note of the one, but he's, he knows that's not a real note because it had been folded up. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when they're leaving, his dad looks at him and he's just laughing. His dad thinks the whole thing's hilarious. Um, and uh, he gets home, Frank Jr. gets home, and uh, Jack Barnes is there, James Rowland's character, is there when he gets home. And uh, he'd been in the room with his mom, and uh, he said, thanks for the sandwich, Paula. And uh, he had dropped his uh, his lapel pin or something on the couch. Um, and uh, Frank Jr. hands it to him. He's like, um, and the mother comes out. He's like, you're not going to tell your father, are you? That's right. There's nothing to tell, you know. And uh, so she had been cheating on him, but, you know, um, but uh, she is smoking and uh, he takes a cigarette out of his hand and uh, he says, you promised you were going to quit. Of course. Then walks into his room. Right. And he's not talking about uh, smoking, you know, he's talking about, you know, so we know that he had, she had been cheating on his dad before. Um, And next time he comes home, there's a strange car outside. A uh, hat and a coat on the sofa, so he, you know, we we think it's the same thing going on. Some and, guy comes out of the bedroom, right, right, and he, and the guy, he's about ready to kind of attack him. He's like, no, no, follow, follow me in the next room. We're all waiting for you. Yeah, and uh, and the the mother's saying we have to be scared, Frankie. We need to make some decisions. Nobody's fighting. No, no, nobody's fighting. And he asks his dad what's going on. His grandma from France is there speaking French. Um, he said, "Do you understand what we're saying, Frank?" Frank, just write down a name. This will all be over. And they really don't do a good job of explaining what's going on. I mean, we can infer what's going well, on. Well, she says we the know. word. She says the word divorce. She says you know, yeah. we're getting divorced, but she's mm-hmm. both this and the other. Mm-hmm. But the one thing they kind of explain it, mm-hmm. I think, is one of the most horrible things about it all is mm-hmm. they're making him choose which parent to be. With. Right. Right. And he's a child. Right. Generally, the tra- children, unless they're emancipated or something like that, yeah. don't really make their choice. Um, and usually the, the parents decide, and the, the child can rebel against that choice, but mm-hmm. the parents usually decide, yeah. so the child doesn't have to make that choice. Yeah. They don't want to make it, which also talks about the character of the parents, that neither mm-hmm. one wants to be responsible for making that choice, that parental choice, that mm-hmm. parental decision, instead leave it up to the child to make, which is kind of horrible for both, right, of, for right. both of them. Right, it is, but also it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like, no one was really explaining them that he needed to make the decision. They're already assuming he knows what's going on, yeah. which is weird too. Like, yeah. and but you while while the the talking is still going on, you see him running. He gets uh, he gets hit with all the stuff all at once, and yeah, he's pretty much being told you get to decide, or you're going to be the one to decide which parent you live with. Mm-hmm. For a teenage kid, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah, and. uh you know, he's running, you see him running to a train station and uh, he's wanting to, you know, take a train somewhere. And the guy says, that's, that'll be 350, sir. He's like, okay, write it. Okay, if I write you a check. So, yeah, that's the beginning of that. And then you see him uh, getting kicked out of a cheap hotel because he had bailed some checks. And he's saying, you know, I can write you another check. And he's like, I ain't going to fall for that again. Right. Um, and you see where he uh, he's got his I think it's his birth certificate or it's an ID or something, but he alters it. It makes him ten years, ten years. younger. 
10 years older. I mean, because he was born in 48, but it shows that he was born in 38. Yeah. Um, He changes his last name is now Taylor. Uh, So he's Frank Taylor now. He's trying to uh, uh, go in the bank, trying to cash a check. And he's talking to this this woman, uh, trying to cash a check. He turns around with a necklace and he says, must have slipped right off your neck. And there's a guy there, a manager steps in, like, can I help you? So that didn't work. Um, he tries many different banks and fails. Did a bunch of different stories. Right. And uh, he sees a pilot uh, getting out of a cab with many pretty stewardesses. And uh, uh, he follows behind him into a hotel lobby and little kids asking for an autograph, which I imagine might have been what it was back then. Like, yeah. a pilot was... You'd one of the coolest things you could do. Many people were flying. Right, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's kids asking for an autograph. Um, so then uh, next we see him uh, posing. He is a high school kid, really, but posing as a high school kid doing a research paper. You see that the, he had called the secretary about it, and he's going to the Pan Am office. And uh, he's talking to some higher-up guy, and uh, he's telling him all this uh, this vital information he needs to know about you need this kind of ID. You need this to do this. Yeah. Tell him a lot of important stuff. He's taking some pictures. Uh, he actually gives him his old uh, ID or whatever it was. It's old uh, FAA license. Right. He's like, oh, you can have this one. It's three years expired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not going to do any good. Right. He's a forger. Yeah. Um, and uh, he tells him about the uh, about the uniforms, like where do they get the uniforms and. Uh, so he calls a Pan Am and uh, he's like, they lost my uniform. He's like, oh, he lost your uniform. It happens all the time. It's going to be $164. Right. So he goes to the, the place. The Billy call says, go down to this place. Right. Tell me your Pan Am. They'll get you in the uniform. Mm-hmm. He gets there. They tailor uniform fit on the tell It's going to be $164. Yeah. yeah. He goes, oh, uh, can I write you a check? He goes, don't worry about it. Just give me your employee ID number. Next paycheck. They'll deduct it for next paycheck. He's like, like, cool. Yeah, even better. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's writing a letter. You hear him talking. He's writing a letter to his dad. He's like, dear dad, he told me an honest man has nothing to be afraid of. So I'll try my best. <laughs> I love that. That's a little, little joke there. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> he goes to the hotel. He's going to write you a check for the room. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, something about a payroll check. He's like, oh, we cast payroll checks up to $300. And, uh, so he's up on his hotel room in a type typewriter making checks uh, with the Pan Am decal. And the Pan Am decal he gets from a, a Pan Am plane. He mm-hmm. soaks it in the toy top. toy plane, soaking in the bathtub. Soaking the bathtub, feels the sticker off the back, puts on a check, mm-hmm. presses it in the Bible. Yeah. And then uh, gets the cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, this movie, a big part of this movie is uh, old typewriters. And I think this is uh, maybe this is where Hank Tom Hanks gets his love of typewriters because you know that Tom Hanks is like famously loves old typewriters. Uh-huh. That's his big uh, his big hobby is collecting old, very old typewriters. And you know, I don't know, maybe this is where he got that got that love of because this movie's all about old printing, old typewriters, stuff like that. Um, and uh, he goes to uh, cash a check and. Uh, this one girl, he's like, you know, you may, you probably get this all the time. You have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. She's like, I do get that all the time. <laughs> I love that line. She's like, yeah, yeah, of course. People tell me that all the time. 
Um, and uh, it works. So next you see um, you see the bathtub full of like dozens and dozens of plastic airplanes. Yes. Soaking Pan Am decals. Um, and uh, and then you see dozens of checks drying on the floor. Um, and now he's casting checks at the airport. Um, and he goes and the woman at the uh, ticket desk or whatever says, are you my deadhead in Miami? He's like, what? You know, he didn't know what she's really talking about. Uh, he's like, yeah, I am your deadhead to Miami. And this woman, uh, I wrote her name down. I can't remember, but she's been on Grey's Anatomy forever. Marcy is her character name. Oh, is it uh, Ellen Pompeo? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's great. Oh, is she? Yeah, I, she's, I, I yeah, fucking yeah. know that. Yeah, she's, uh, she's great. Oh, okay. Grey's Anatomy. Meredith Grey, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. Uh, so yeah, she's been on forever. It's it's the show it's by named her. after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, she shows him basically, you know, like your deadhead seat. She pulls the seat down for him. And she says, "Would you like a drink after takeoff?" He says, "Milk." You know. Oh, he does use some lingo on the pilots. I guess he learned a few right, right. The other lingo. He 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 didn't recognize the deadhead part unless right. he did, and wouldn't right. realize that he was going to get a free flight somewhere. Right, right. Um, he says, "I've been jumping puddles. We're earning my." Keep for the weak and weary, or something like that. Yeah. I didn't write that one down, but yeah, that was, used to, was, I recognize it as airline lingo and as pilot to, lingo. That used to be a catchphrase that I repeated a lot. That whole that whole thing, yeah. And um, but uh, you know, he says, "Marcy, did you drop this?" And he must have slipped right off your neck. Um, and that little he drops a little necklace. She's like, "No, no." And then it smash cut to them having sex, and she's saying, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." Um, and he says the, uh, he, uh, he says, oh, Marcy, this is, this is the best first date I've ever had or something like that. And she laughs. Um, and, uh, he's at, at a bank trying to cash check in. He's looking for the, uh, basically the cutest or the most, what is maybe the most gulling, gullible, um, teller that he can try to cash a check out. And he gets to Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. The first role that I ever, ever knew her from, um. She didn't, obviously didn't have a big part in it, but but I remember her because she, she's just her little part. She's just great and memorable. And uh, said, so "I like to cash this check there here, and then I'd like to take you out for a steak dinner." And her laugh is so oh, <laughs> that laugh. And uh, you know, we get to see her again in Forty Year Old Virgin in a bigger role for sure. But yeah. uh, you know, her laugh is just priceless. And when when he says it to her, and she's. Uh, she is showing him showing him the check printing machine. Yes. So he's learning uh, learning some uh, valuable knowledge here. And then it cuts to him auctioning, buying at auction. Right. The check printing machine. Right. Right. Um, and he says, "So where do the checks routed get routed to?" She's like, "I don't know. I don't believe anyone's ever asked me that." And she laughs again. Um, and uh, we're back at the FBI and uh, the slideshow. Uh, Tom Hanks is Carol Carl Hanready. Uh, there's a slideshow talking about the phony checks and uh, his boss uh, who we talked about recently who played JT and my cousin Vinny uh -huh. his boss at this time at least or one of his bosses said for those of us who are unfamiliar with bank fraud you mind telling us what the hell you're talking about um, uh, oh, that was he. Spe like special agent, agent Whitkins is his, is his character name Chris Ellis is the guy's name who plays JT and my cousin Vinny um, you saw about the Federal Reserve banks and uh, the checks bounce around. They, by the time they get, you know, all across the country, 
And what he's saying is that if you write a check in New York, it's supposed to go to, it's drawn on New York Bank. It's supposed mm-hmm. to go to the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. Right. But if the routing number sends it to California, yeah, yeah. then it could be, you know, go, it would go by snail mail back then, take a week to get out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a bank in New York, another week to get back. It's two-week float yes. before the bank realizes it's no good. Yes, yes. And um, uh, and then get next we get Frank, and Frank Jr. Uh, meet at a restaurant. Um, you know, he wants to see his dad. And a really nice restaurant. And Frank's, uh, Frank Jr. says, this fork is ice cold. You know? <laughs> and Frank Jr. knows now. He's like, Dad, it's a fancy, it's a, it's a salad fork. It's a fancy restaurant. So we're already seeing that he's been around and seen a lot of nice things. He's trying to see his dad. More than his, seeing his dad is, <clears throat> you know, uncultured, you know, whatever, whatever you want to say. Like He's starting to see more of the, the real man that his dad is right right opposed to the hero yes he worshiped him for yeah yeah and um um frank jr um bought his dad and he said i got here the keys to a 1965 cadillac deville um and his dad said do you know what happened if the irs found out i was driving around a green coupe so his dad's got this inflated sense of like the irs is watching me all the time yeah too like you know he He's just thinking. thinking yeah, it always, it always, it always bothered me that he would always hang his problems on the IRS. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Because uh, I think even back then, it was pretty easy to make, cut a deal and, and just make a payment and go on with your life. Right. You know, oh, you got this. I was, oh, okay. Well, let's cut a deal. I'll make right. payments. We'll get on with my life and everything mm-hmm. be cool. It'll get paid off. You know, because they don't want to be, uh, you know, throwing people in jail and this and the other. They want them out there making money and paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I always get the feeling he was just using that as an excuse for why he was always broke. Yeah, yeah he was. And, he was. And, and a deadbeat. His dad was a very, you know, pathetic, basically, character. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, a big part of why the movie is good. Is yeah. His dad was... You know, he thought he thought his dad was great at everything, kind of thing. And you see that his dad is kind of pretty much a loser, kind yeah. of, and uh, you know, along the way, you know. And then the dad says, you know, you know, do you remember the two mice? Which one am I? You know, and it's like, you know, and uh, Frank Jr. is saying he hopes to get his mom and dad back together. Well, he's not saying that, but he's hoping to get his mom and dad back together. You know, you should go use this car and go pick up. Pick up mom. I think almost every time he would ask his dad, have you seen mom? She's been by. Yeah. Throughout the movie, when he'd see, when he'd see him, he'd say, hey, see mom? Did she drop by? What's yeah. On? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Frank, Frank Sr. says, what was the name of that town? And Frank Jr. is like, Mount Rashad. Mount Rashad. You know, he's still talking about his glory days, yeah. as Bruce Springsteen, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen would say. Watch that speedball. By, by. Yeah, that speedball. Most worst lyric, one of the worst lyrics in history of... I'm still thinking he was talking drugs. I don't think so. I think he was just ignorant and didn't ask anybody in his band to say, that's bullshit. Speedball? It's not a fucking baseball term. Yeah, everyone in the band was like, speedball, yeah, give me one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were doing drugs? They were past me, bud. They were doing drugs? Okay. Um, but, uh, Here's where Frank Sr. saying, you know, you see these people staring at you? They're wondering where you're going tonight. So the other thing of Frank Sr. being pathetic is him thinking the whole world is looking at his son like he's the biggest, greatest thing ever. 
which is also kind of pathetic. Like it's not, they're not really. I always looked at it as more, uh, he was uh, kind of halfway putting on his son, hmm. helping him to think that he was bigger and more important than he was mm -hmm. by saying things like that. And oh, okay. he, he didn't really think that everyone was there staring at him. Oh, okay. He was just telling the son that they were, so that, this, that he would be, uh, you know, feel better. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I never thought about it, but that makes sense. We'll be back right after this. Frank. Hello. I'm Frank Black from Monroe High School, and I have an appointment with Mr. Morgan. You're the young man who's writing the article for the school paper. Yes, ma'am, that's me. I want to know everything there is to know about being a pilot. <laughs> what airports does Pan Am fly to? Uh, what does a pilot make in here, and who, who tells them where they're going to fly to? Whoa, 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 so I'll just take them one at a time. All right. What does it mean when one pilot says to another pilot, what kind of equipment are you on? I just want to know what kind of aircraft you're flying. Is it the DC-8, 707, Constellation? And, and what about those ID badges that I've uh, seen pilots wear? Well, every pilot has to have two things with them at all times. One is airline personnel badge. looks just like this one here from Pan Am. The other one is their FAA license. And that looks just like this. Oh. Do you think I can make a copy of this to put into my article? Oh, Frank. You can have that one. It's three years expired. Oh, thanks. And what about your ID badge? Do you have an extra one I could borrow? Oh, no, I can't help you there. It's a special order from Polaroid. The only way to get one of those is become a real live pilot for Pan American Airways. Pan Am, may I help you? Yeah, hello, I'm calling about a uniform. Calling for purchasing. Thank you. Purchasing. I'm a co-pilot based out of San Francisco. I flew a flight into New York last night, but the problem is I'm headed out to uh, Paris in three hours. How can we help you? I sent my uniform to be cleaned through the hotel, and I, I guess they must have lost it. They lost a uniform. Happens all the time. Go down to the well-built uniform company at 9th and Broadway. They are uniform supplier. I'll tell Mr. Rosen you're coming. You look too young to be a pilot. I'm a co-pilot. Why so nervous? How'd you feel if you uh, lost your uniform first week on the job? <laughs> Relax. Uh, Pan Am's got lots of uniforms. It's going to be $164. Great. I'll, uh, I'll write you a check. Uh, sorry, uh, no checks, no cash. You'll have to fill in your employee ID number, and then I'll bill Pan Am. I'll take it out in your next paycheck. Even better. Dear Dad, you always told me that an honest man has nothing to fear, so I'm trying my best not to be afraid. I'm sorry I ran away, but you don't have to worry. I'm gonna get it all back now, Daddy. I promise. I'm gonna get it all back. Are you a real life pilot? I sure am, little lady. What's your name? Celine. Celine, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you, too. this branch. I want to thank you for coming in and using our institution. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, John. I'll be back again. Good. Have you stayed with us before? Uh, no, I've been primarily based on the West Coast. Is it all right if I write you a check for the room? No problem, sir. Great. 
if I could write you a personal check? For airline personnel, we cash personal checks up to $100. Payroll checks, we cash up to $300. You say $300 for a payroll check? Dear Dad, I've decided to become a pilot for Pan American Airways, the most trusted name in the skies. They have accepted me into their training program and told me that if I work hard, I should earn my wings real soon. Please get in touch with Joanna Carlton from the 10th grade. Tell her I'm sorry that I could not take her to the junior prom. Love, your son, Frank. We are back here on the podcast talking about Catch Me If You Can. Uh, this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, 96. 96. So the critics got it right. <laughs> this this movie is a, a movie that deserves a 96. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the uh, the uh, public uh, gave it an 89. Still really good, but, you know, 96 is where this movie should be. And honestly, I was a little surprised. It's a little higher than I thought it would be. Really? Just because, you know, I didn't realize that this movie got that much respect. I mean, it should. Not that I've heard people say it was a bad movie. I've never heard anyone say it was a bad movie, but I'm pleasantly surprised by the 96. Um, uh, the budget on the movie, $52 million. Uh-huh. Uh, box office, $355 million. Adjusted uh-huh. for inflation, $541 million. Another, so, another 6x roughly in, mm-hmm. in profit yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, very uh, movie did extremely well. Um, you know, considering it's not a flashy action movie, it's not a superhero movie. It no, did. but Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg. Right, right. The big three. Right, right. Um, a rare movie that Tom Hanks is not the top billed person. Extremely yep. rare. Um, you know, but... Um, IMDb ranking uh, for this movie. It's 196 of all time right now, currently. Wow. Top 200. Yeah. Oscar nominations uh, for Christopher Walken for Supporting Actor and uh, for the score for a guy named John Williams. John Williams. He's done a few uh, small movies out there. Yeah. Uh, independent, you know, independent, scrappy, uh, independent movie guy. The, one of those uh, YouTube serialized things. Right, right. Like he's a. Uh, I don't know what did he do. He did Jaws. He did uh, Star Wars. Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Uh, Jurassic Park. Um, 
uh, Home Alone, right? Home Every Alone. major motion picture yeah. from 1977 on. Right. He, he's been on this uh, countdown probably more than anybody. Uh, John Williams. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot of uh, big ones. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Uh, I think, right? Uh, all, for, all five yeah. of them. Right. Um, so he's pretty good. He's even off the new one. Oh, okay. Is he? Even though Spielberg is not directing it. I can't remember who it is. But, uh, oh, but Spielberg is producing it. Oh, yeah. Bill sure Williams is back for the music. Okay. Um, now this movie is re- was released Christmas 2002. Do you remember when you first saw the movie? Uh, I think I saw it in January after the holidays mm-hmm. in the theater. Uh, I recall not really being super gung-ho to go out and watch it, but I had to go see it fairly early on. Mm-hmm. It's theater run, and I liked it. Yeah. Um, I saw it in theaters. Uh, probably was also early January. Uh, I saw it with my uh, my uh, long-term roommate, Jay, um, who I've seen a lot of these movies with. Uh, in fact, my top five are all movies that I watched with him dozens and dozens of times, even if they're just in the background while we're, while we're uh, you know, playing video games or whatever, drinking. This was in the background. Uh, we saw it in theaters and the first time, and it was incredible the first time we saw it. For sure, it was a great movie. Um, uh, other movies in theaters at the time: uh, Red Dragon, uh, Bowling for Columbine, Comedian, Punch Drunk Love, The Transporter, Autofocus, The Ring, Eight Mile, Lord of the Rings Two, Gangs of New York, Chicago, and The Pianist. Um, so, which one of those movies have you, did you see in theaters? In theaters, let's take a good list here and. Uh... Punch Drunk Love is still in the theater. Transporter is still in the theater. Uh, Eight Mile, no, I didn't see in the theater. So Lord of the Rings is still in the theater. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm still mall. Gangs of New York, I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it for the theater stuff. Okay. Uh, I have seen Red Dragon, Bowling for Columbine. Comedian, I'm going to say no because I don't really Comedian know is a, uh, I saw that. That's the only one I saw in theaters other than Catch Me If You Can. It was a documentary. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld did it and it was basically interviewing a bunch of different comedians. Yeah. And it was, it's worth watching. It's not like great, but you know. Okay. Um, Autofocus, uh, who's in that? Oh, that's the one with uh, Greg Kinnear about uh, Bob Crane. Oh, okay. I, I've and, never and, seen that. Uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, and it's very. The Ring I eventually saw. Eight Mile, I, I eventually saw. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Chicago and the Pianist. I have not seen either one of those, actually. Okay. No, they're highly award winning movies. Yeah. People um, love. Yeah, now Bowling Columbine, I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I saw it a few times. Not in theaters, but back then, I liked that a lot. Um, you know, one of the one of the more, more high-profile documentaries of all time. Uh, I'll say that uh, five of the top ten high-profile documentaries of all time were made by Michael Moore. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, Roger and Roger Me, and Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 11, Bowling yeah. for Columbine, yeah. Yeah. Sicko. Sicko, yeah. I did see Sicko in theaters. Um, but uh, there's a lot of good, good movies on here. But um, yeah, um, which have you seen the most? Which have I seen the most, including this one? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Eight Mile, I've probably seen more really? than any other movie. I actually okay. like that a lot. Oh, that's uh, good. I finally saw it a couple of years ago for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was a hip-hop movie about hip-hop and this and the other it is it is is there but it's really a fictionalized version a bi- bi- fictionalized 
biography of the Eminem, the Eminem character, the persona, right. not Marshall Mathers uh, so much. It's more of uh, the hype a little bit, but it's uh, very well put together. It's a engaging story. The music was good. And I wouldn't really like hip hop that much uh, mm-hmm. uh, or rap. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of the things that opened me to other artists yeah. that were well, had I, a different variety of music. I can tell you from a personal standpoint, when we worked together, um, I was playing Eminem one day and I remember you was like, you said, well, I'll realize one day, oh, Oh my God! I like I like hip hop now. <laughs> you were scared of it, but I was like, oh, well, you know, I, like I just never really got into it. And, right. And he opened up, and since then I've learned to like I like Easy E a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't know, just stuff yeah. that I never listened to way back then when it first came out. Mm-hmm. After getting a different perspective, I go back and listen. And I'm like, I don't know, I like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's not a lot of uh, very little new hip hop that I like, but I do like Eminem a lot. I didn't like him that much back then, but I do now. Um, but yeah, for me, the movies I've seen the most, for sure, is Catch Me If You Can. Like, nothing is even close um, on this list. Um, now, Autofocus, you should watch because it's one of the most fucking disturbing movies ever made about the story of Bob Crane and all the weird shit he was into and, and, and Willem Dafoe is his friend. Yeah, I heard, I heard it was a. Uh oddball movie it's a weird fucking movie but it's uh we're seeing you know um and uh the director on this movie steven spielberg um this is the best spielberg movie ever made um controversial yeah. opinion yeah, according to me according to you okay um there's a few other spielbergs on my list uh you got jurassic park uh-huh um, you got that jaws movie um you know there's yeah. some uh there's some good ones yeah um Raiders of Lost Ark is pretty good. Uh, Close Encounters. Yeah. Close Encounters is the closest to making my list. Uh, to make the list. Um, Schindler's List is great. Um, you know, Munich. I love Munich a lot. That's a great movie. Um, Munich's one I saw in the theaters. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. And uh, obviously, a lot of great Spielberg movies. But uh, it's the well, best Munich one. is one of the movies I saw the one time in the theater. I haven't really seen it since then. Yeah. But I think maybe a couple of months ago, I just happened to see a cast list. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, all these people are in it. No wonder it was so good. Right, know? right. Spielberg and, directed it. No wonder it's so good. Right, and it was a great movie. And I, I knew Spielberg directed it way back then, but you know, what, twenty years later, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's why it was so good. It's just incredibly well made with a great cast. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I want to mention uh, because Leo was in this movie. Now, after Titanic came out, I was just like, I never watched Titanic for a very long time. And I was like. You know, DiCaprio, fuck that guy. You know, like, I'm not going to like any movie he's ever in. What the fuck? Fuck him. You know, it's a pretty boy. I used to watch uh, the TV show. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Growing somebody. Pains? Growing Pains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a fan of the show, so I remember him oh, when yeah. he came on as the kid from the dumpsters. I always mm-hmm. called him because he was like some homeless kid. That yeah. Um, and even, like, I remember... Uh, uh, the, the new youngest daughter who right. was still acting out there. She's been, actually in, in a couple of Marvel movies. Really? Um, okay. uh, Ashley something. Ashley Johnson. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, when he started making movies, I'm like, oh, that's the kid from Growing Pains, okay. you, know? you know? And then, boom, he just blew up. Well, I loved Growing Pains, but I definitely stopped watching the last few years it was on. And so, to me, it, well, I wasn't connecting him as that i mean i remember i know i know he was in what's he grape 
Um, but Titanic was such, it was a backlash of like, it's such a big deal. And I'm like, fuck that up. That's probably a stupid movie. I wouldn't like that. I don't know if I knew at the time that Growing Pains was on, but I have a relative who worked on the show, a cousin-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin, she married a man. Mm-hmm. The man's brother is this guy. He was an art director in the show. He's gone on to bigger and better things in Hollywood, including mm-hmm. the art director on Hangover, mm-hmm. a lot of the Marvel movies, uh, a guy named Bill Bresky, who's done, mm-hmm. done a lot of amazing stuff out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the um, the Leo thing, like I thought it would never be anybody who would be a fan of him. And a couple months ago, I was talking to some guys, we we're talking about movies and and they said, well, who's your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite actor? And I'm like, you know, it might be Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and I'm like, I couldn't believe I said it, but I was like, considering he's got several movies on my list, and yeah. The Aviator just missed my top 100. I love that movie. Wolf of Wall Street is so fucking funny, and The Departed is just so. The Departed brutal. is is a great movie, and the. This is one of my favorites, obviously. This movie, this is kind of a reverse caper movie. Right. If you can. Right. And I always thought of someone who's like, I'm never going to be a fan of this guy. Why would I ever? And first of all, he's never going to be in a movie that's any good. <laughs> um, and I never even watched Titanic until about five years ago. And it's a good movie. I don't love it. I don't, who gives a shit? But it's still a good movie. But um, yeah. So Leonardo, you know, all the credit. Um, now the tagline in this movie. The true story of a real fake. That's a good, it's a good take. Yeah, that's a great, that's one of the top 10 taglines on my, uh, on my list here. Um, you know, the, the Steve Park award on this movie. Um, you know, I don't know, there's some. Almost Christopher Walken. Yeah. I mean, I could say Christopher Walken. Uh, I'd just say Elizabeth Banks because. Yeah, there were a lot of little, you uh, know, uh, Jennifer Garner. Right. Jennifer Garner. Uh, we haven't talked about Amy uh, Adams yet. Amy, uh, Amy Acker. Amy oh, Adams. Amy Adams and Amy Acker. Who's Amy Acker? Amy Acker, uh, she's probably well known for being in the TV show Angel. Yeah. As well as a bunch of other shows. Well, what was she that. in this movie, though? Um, she? she was one of the uh, girl, eight girls picked to help him get into oh, the Oh, okay. okay. She, was, she played Miggy. I think it was the first or second one he called out. Oh, okay. okay. I okay. didn't realize it was her. Then it was when I was going through the cast, I was like, what? And when I actually went back and looked, I said, oh, that is her. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with, uh, yeah. But Amy Adams, yeah. I mean, Adams was great, but I'll go with uh, Christopher Walken. No, no, with uh, Leo Leo DiCaprio. No, no. He's a small What's person. her name? No, the 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 girl uh, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Banks. Banks. Yeah, I'll go with her. Um, the Bechdel test on this movie. There are a number of women who have the mother names. never talks to another female the entire yeah. movie, right? Uh, Amy Adams character. Amy Adams. Maybe talks to some people at the party, but it's in the background. Talks, I don't see even think oh. she even talks to her mom. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone, any of the women really talk to any other women. Nah, no, no, it doesn't pass the test. Nah, no, nah, there's no way it passes the test. Um, another failure. Um, so get back to talking about the uh, the movie here. Now, where we left off, we're in the um, we're in the uh, the restaurant, and uh, one thing Frank Sr. says, uh, just tell me where you're going tonight. He wants to hear a glamorous thing. Are you going to Tahiti, Hawaii, or something like that? And and Frank Jr. says Los Angeles, Hollywood. You know, he's starting to say Los Angeles. And he's like, no, Hollywood. 
that'll make my dad happy if I say Hollywood. Um, so that's the at the restaurant. Um, this is where uh, Carl Hanratty is with his two other uh, FBI guys, and he finds out that they're basically being punished. That's why they're working with him. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're, they're ma- kind of making fun of him, how he's always serious. And uh, Carl says, would you like to hear me tell a joke? <laughs> and he says, knock, knock. And they say, who's there? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, at the motel, um, you know, he's at the, I was going to deposit this check today. Um, um, this is Carl. Um, he's at the motel. He tracked him down in LA and, uh, the motel, uh, manager or whatever says, I'm going to deposit this check day because I don't, but I don't want any of my customers harassed. He's like, what are you saying? He's still here. And we had seen the, the blind man and the guy who was helping the blind man say hi to Frank because they're, they knew each other Yeah, and he was voice, right? He's and uh, so Frank knows them and uh, he gets to room 201 and, uh, and uh, that's where, that's where he's going room 201. Uh, Carl tells his helpers like, you know, they want to help him. He's like, no, you just stay here and later I'll buy you a good humor bar, which is kind of a, seemed like a throwaway line. Um, but, um, Hanratty opens the door. Frank comes out of the bathroom, calm, pretending to be Secret Service. He introduces himself as Barry Allen, Secret Service. Um, he's like, "You're late. You just missed him. We just, we just, my partner is walking him to the car as we speak." And he looks out the window, and, and uh, the, the blind guy, he's like, who he knows, he's like, "Hey, Murph, call the LAPD again. I don't want people walking through my crime scene." And of course, he shuts the curtains before the guy's like, "What?" It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, he walks out, you know, with his machine and some stuff. He's taking in some of his valuable uh, check printing stuff or whatever with him. And uh, he's like, uh, he hands uh, Henry his wallet. Do you want my ID? Uh, Henry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, open it. You right. want my gun too? You want my badge? Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, you know, he starts to give him, Carl starts to give him the wallet. He's like, no, I trust you. You keep it. I'll, I'll be back. And eventually Carl looks in the wallet and there's a bunch of torn off labels. Yeah. All it is is torn off labels from Coke and uh, Heinz ketchup or whatever, stuff like that. And that's all that's in his wallet. And he sees uh, Frank running through the road, carrying his typewriter or whatever and everything. And then this is, this is, I don't believe I didn't catch this before, but Hanratty, his partners, he's back in the office. And they're, his boss. They're, they're, eating they're both eating a good, good humor bar. Yeah. They're eating a good humor bar. It's so great. That's so great. Um, I can't believe it took me 40 times of watching this to understand. <laughs> to notice that they were they're eating. eating good humor bars. It's a great joke. Um, and uh, he's talking to his boss and uh, says, Sean, would you like to hear me tell a joke? Knock, knock. And then, but then it, the scene cuts out, you know. Um, and uh, uh, Frank is interviewing the Pan Am guy again, the same one. Uh, and he's reading a newspaper about the Skyway Man. Which is this criminal that's uh, cashing checks everywhere, and he says they call him the James Bond of the sky, and then you smash cut to Bond, James Bond from uh, Doctor No, probably I think. Uh, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, you know he realizes he needs he should get a uh, James Bond suit, and he gets to the tailor, and the guy's like, "Yeah, this is just like he wears." He's like, "Can I something like can I wrap it up or whatever?" You know, he needs the car. Yeah, well, he also he says, certainly, Mr. Fleming. Yeah. <laughs> so he accused Ian Fleming, the guy that wrote James Bond. 
um, um, he gets, he's at a nice hotel now, uh, and he's getting ready to go in his room and Jennifer Garner is there. He's like, no, I recognize you. He's like, uh, a couple of years ago, I was on the cover of 17. He's like, yeah, the guys had a picture of you in our locker. Um, and, uh, so he's talking to her and, uh, you know, so basically he's, uh, she's flirting with him. He's flirting with her. And there's a juxtaposition. You see Hanratty in the laundromat with two old ladies sitting next to him. He's sitting there in a noisy, shitty laundromat, getting his washing his clothes. And Frank Jr., the criminal, is uh, is with this uh, beautiful model, you know. <laughs> and uh, you see Frank kissing her, and uh, she's like, "A guy like you could buy anything, you know. You buy your deck of cards at a hotel gift shop." Um, he goes, how much you pay for these cars? He goes, I don't know, 55 cents. Yeah. And she goes, well, if I was for sale right. in the gift shop, how much would you pay for me? Yeah. He yeah. Goes, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And he finally gives He starts number. naming. He starts saying, she's like, go fish. Yeah. I think he starts with 300. He goes, yeah. Go fish. He throws a card at him. Right. He's up in the mat. He, he, gets, to a th- he gets to 1,000. He's like, she goes, so I write you a check? He's like, oh. Well, yeah, but this check is for fourteen hundred. No, no, no. He goes, I. Oh, it's like running out. Goes, Where are you going? I'm gonna go down a lot. Oh, right, cash right, right. Goes, I'm not gonna cash check for you. From oh, from this bank bank, it's good as gold. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, uh, why don't you just sign over here? And he's like going through all these checks. He, it, it's the price of a thousand dollars. We pulls one for four hundred. Goes, well, this is for four fourteen hundred. Yeah. You know, he goes, well, how about I give you four hundred and you give me the check? He goes, oh, that's he, a good. Even better. Even, even better. better. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets her for the night and 400 bucks. Yeah. And he's, you know, and this is about to happen. And you go back to Carl in the laundromat, pulling his, pulling his laundry out. It's all and pink. his white shirts are pink. And uh, and he pulls out this little little red sweater. He's like, is this blowing anybody? And this little old lady, really little lady, grabs right. her from throws her right. stuff. Right. And she isn't even like, doesn't care that she messed up his laundry. She just, uh, and uh, this is where Henry calls him and says, Merry Christmas. And, uh, and he says, how would you know I wouldn't look in your wallet? And uh, he says, pinstripes. Um, see, people are too busy, you know, looking at the pinstripe. And Hannah says, the Yankees always win because they got Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he said, you sure about that, Carl? Because he did fool him. He did fool him with that. Um, the pinstripes, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, Frank says, you didn't call just to apologize. Oh, no, Frank, Frank did. You have no one else to call. Um, and he's laughing at him. And uh, in the background at the FBI headquarters, Melly uh, um, Maliki Maka is playing the Bing Crosby uh, Hawaiian Christmas song was playing, which was also in, ex- in Christmas Vacation on the uh-huh. list. And I think it was also in Home Alone. I think it was also in that. Maybe when he's got the Michael Jordan cut out dancing. I think, yeah, I think it was in that too. So that's the third time on our list, at least twice, but I think the third time on our list already. Um, we've had that um, song. Um, and uh, Carl was eating a diner, and the waiter uh, sees him looking at a uh, computer printout of uh, a dot matrix printer, uh, the, the name Barry Allen over and over again. And the waiter's like, oh, you're a fan of The Flash too. Have you read this and this and this episode and this episode? It's like, I got them all. He's like, what are you talking about? Um Barry Allen, the Flash, you know. When he's not the Flash, he's Barry Allen. Right, right. And uh, that's his alter ego, his right. civilian name. And then Carl says, uh, "He's a kid. Unsub's a kid. That's why we couldn't find, you know, records of him. He reads comic books. He's a kid." Um, 
And, uh, you know, he's in New York. Why New York? Because he Yankees. He mentioned the Yankees. Okay. So you start looking for uh, missing person reports or stuff like that. So pull missing person reports and all the stuff from the New York area. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they finally actually get to um, Mrs. Abingdale, or formerly Mrs. Abingdale, um, you know, she's like, is, it's number 53 on the list. It's a 53rd family, basically, that they went to missing children yeah. or whatever. Um, and uh, she mentioned right away, my husband Jack is a lawyer. I'm sure he can help out. Um, she's there's, talking. There's a picture of the James Rowland character. Yes. Kind of yeah. Commonly figured right there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no pictures of Frank Jr. No, no. Um, and uh, she's talking about, you know, did you, did you, have your husband meet in the war? I was like, yeah, I'm from uh, Mont Richard, the kind of place they never heard of Sarah Lee. And uh, the two other guys are happy about having Sarah Lee cake to eat. The one keeps trying to reach for a fork, but it crawls in his way and he doesn't want to. He like keeps trying to reach for it. Um, he finally picks it up and it's like holding it like a weapon. And he's like, he's going to stab him. He hands it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you have a picture of Frank Jr.? Oh, yes. His year. I have his yearbook. And yeah, Abignale, of course, being the very first name alphabetically, he's right there. He's like, yeah, age 17 or unsub, you know. So they, they have a picture of him. They know what it looks like. <clears throat> And uh, they're telling him what he's been doing, cashing, uh, you know, checks. And uh, the mom says, "I've been working part time at the church. Um, I can, I can, uh, I, I can, can cover it. it. I can cover it. How much is it? Uh, One point three million dollars." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, uh, "I don't think I can cover that." Yeah. And so next, uh, you see the uh, tells you where we are: Riverbend Apartments, Atlanta, Jordan, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> um, and there's a party at his nice apartment, and. Uh, I looked up the River Riverbend Apartments. Um, being in Atlanta, I wasn't actually that familiar with it. Uh, it was on Wikipedia. It's named as Ground Zero for the Sexual Revolution due to its clubhouse, keggers, and new pool parties. This is including the Playboy, according to Playboy magazine. Wow. Yeah. And where was it? Um, it's somewhere uh, on Chattahoochee, somewhere uh, near 285. So probably in the Sandy Springs. Probably. Yeah. Roswell area. Right. Somewhere in that, yes, somewhere in that area. Um, so apparently it really was a famous, yeah. so he had heard about it maybe in some magazine. So yeah, it was a pretty famous place apparently. Um, and so now he's walking through the hospital because his friend, uh, they're having the party and they're saying, uh, um, uh, uh, forget his name, but such an, oh, someone took a header into the pool or something like that yeah. and he fell. So that's the reason for him to be at the hospital. And this is where he meets Brenda, the nurse, played by Amy Adams, yeah. which was uh, probably her first uh, big movie, I think, too. And she has a you know fairly important part in it, too. Um, and uh, she's got a lot of braces on, which is great. Kind of makes her look uh, younger, younger, makes her look younger, makes her look sort of more you know, innocent or whatever. And uh, um, trying to find out where his friend is. And Frank says, Brenda, you know. They're hiring here at the hospital, and he's like, "I don't know." She's like, "What are you?" He's like, "Well, I'm a doctor." Um, so then he gets a um, he gets a he doctors up a fake diploma for Harvard Medical School. He gets an interview with the the guy hiring. It's the top of your class. It's like, oh, hardly all we need is someone to babysit uh, some interns and some nurses on the on the overnight shift. He's like, well, in the past they let me choose my own nurses. So he cons his way into being a, a 
fake doctor. Um, and he's at home uh, watching Marcus Welby <laughs> to uh, do research. And uh, someone on there says, do you concur? And they, the guy says, I concur. Um, Brenda comes in, comes in to see him. Her braces are off. And they're, they're making out. Uh, they're about to have sex. And Intercom calls him at the ER. And he's like, I don't want to. Um, no, I think they can handle it. And Brenda's like, I think you need to go. He walks in and some little kid had, had a bike accident and there's blood everywhere. He had broken his leg. And uh, uh, Frank was uh, disgusted by it. And uh, he's asking two of the interns, uh, he tells them what happened. He's like, do you concur? What? He's like, what? Oh, so you concur. And uh, the one guy, Frank walks away and the one guy's like, why didn't I concur? And this was a uh, this was a repeated uh, repeated catchphrase over and over again too with my roommate Jay. Do you concur? Do you concur? Yeah. Um, I texted him when I was watching this movie the other day. Do you concur? And he's like, Oh man, I need to watch that movie again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he he goes and pukes in the sink because he you know he can't stand the sight of all the blood and everything. And the kid broke his leg. Um, this is where uh, Carl goes to visit uh, Frank Senior, and. Uh, Frank Sr.'s got this inflated sense of, you know, like, they're after me. He's like, if you're going to arrest me, let me put on a different suit. He's like, I'm not here to arrest you. I'm trying to find out about your son. I think he might be, might be in trouble. He's like, you know, Frank make a, made a fake ID. He's over in Vietnam right now. You know, he made a fake ID so he could go to Vietnam. Yeah, because Carl knows that's wrong. That's right, why. right, right. And even if it was a, the truth, even if it was a, not even a lie. It's a ridiculous lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's like, he said, if you're a father, you'd know I'd never go with my son. He's like, I knew that. But uh, on the way out, Carl looks at, there's a letter where Frank Jr. had wrote him and it's got the address in Atlanta the where he is. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Excuse me. Do you know what room 17 French is? Yeah, it's... Please tell me where you left off in your textbooks. Excuse me, people. If I need to ask again, I'm going to write up the entire class. Take your seats. Chapter 7. Will you please open your textbooks to uh, chapter 8, and we'll get started? Excuse me. What's your name? Brad. Brad, why don't you get up here in front of the class here and read conversation number 5. Liz Francais son uh, generally meant Donsler pays Q, press Q, 
Institute Le Monde a set impression. They sent for me. They said they needed a sub for Roberta. I came all the way from, from Dixon. Well, I, I always sub for Roberta. Excuse me, why aren't you reading? Uh, QL's own. I'll never come back to, to Bellarmine Jefferson again. You tell them not to call me. What do they think? It's easy for a woman my age and all the money that it costs to travel. I tell you, they don't give a damn. Mr. and Mrs. Abagnale, this is not a question of your son's attendance. I regret to inform you that for the past week, Frank has been teaching Mrs. Glass's French class. He what? Your son has been pretending to be a substitute teacher, lecturing the students, uh, giving out homework. Uh, Mrs. Glasser has been ill, and there was some confusion with the real sub. Your son held a teacher-parent conference yesterday and was planning a class field trip to a French bread factory in Trenton. Do you see the problem we have? Mrs. Davenport, uh, I have a note to miss fifth and sixth period today. Doctor's appointment. Uh, one moment. I'll be right with you. here on the podcast talking about catch me if you can it's time to play the trivia games we play here often um, we're going to give each other a name you have 60 seconds to name the movies they've been in and paul do you have a name for me i have a name for you one of our one of our big actors out there right now okay i don't know how many movies he's been on your list i can't think of any off the top of my head he may have been on, but his name is uh joaquin phoenix Gladiator. Uh, One. Um, um, Joker. Two. Um, God. Um, oh. Um, what the line? Three. Um, wow, I'm doing terrible. Um, geez, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, uh, Donnie Darko. No, no, you get him and Jake Gyllenhaal mixed up. Sometimes. Everyone does, yeah, yeah. I was getting ready to say, uh, uh, Burpeck Mountain, too. Um, god, I'm doing terrible. Um, time, I can't think of any more. What big ones did I miss? Parenthood, yeah. Uh, hurt, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can find the guy in here. Dun, dun, dun. Just some of the big ones, yeah. Yeah, jump on my guy here, find the casting crew, dun, 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 bring him up. Nope, wrong guy, wrong guy. What did it do that?
It's taking a little while to find him. My phone. There it is. Um, Gladiator was the first thing that I remember him as far as like noticing him. Really, uh, actually, I remember him from Parenthood. When he, when he I mean, I saw Parenthood in theaters. But I was uh, looking for all the, the Phoenix kids, you know, because yeah. of uh, yeah, yeah, River. True. All right. Uh, he said, "Walk the line, Gladiator, uh, the Master." Yeah. Yeah. Who we call? Come on, come on. Uh, Guardians of Life. Joker you got. Who we call Lou? Uh, the Sisters Brothers. Mary Magdalene. Uh, you were never really here, Russian man. Inherent vice, yeah. The immigrant, probably the master is the big one. That's why I didn't get that many. There's not, a, there's not a bunch of really well known. We own the night, ladder forty nine. <laughs> yeah. The hotel Rwanda, the village. Oh yeah, the village. Sure. I did see that one in theaters. Yeah. I saw the theaters. It was signs. I forgot about signs. Oh, yeah. I should have got that one. Yeah. Wills. It's on the way. Yeah. Eight millimeter. Remember that one? Wow. That's yeah. a bad movie. Okay. You ready for your name? Yeah. What do you have for me? Your name is John Goodman. John Goodman. Mm. <clears throat> uh, oh, brother, where art thou? One. Revenge of the Nerds. Two. Sea of Love. Three. Mm, John Goodman movies. I can't get Rovane out of my head. That's not a movie. It doesn't count. Uh, I'm sure he's been in a lot of other Cohen. Uh, Raising Arizona. Four. Barton Fink. Five. Um, Hudsucker Proxy. Six. Um, oh, what was that? What was that one with the Dennis Quaid? The ghost? The red ghost? Time. Uh, we got six. We've accepted flight. Uh, I didn't know who was in that. Yeah, him and. Denzel. Denzel. Yeah. There was another movie they were in together where, uh, which actually a really oh, fun movie. The, is it the Bone Collector? Not, not the Bone Collector. The one where it starts out with, let me tell you a story about where I almost died. And oh, it was okay. about this demon that would travel through people. And, and, oh, okay. And uh, John Goodman was, was, was one of the people that's possessed. Yeah. Um, and a rare movie where he's definitely the top built person is The Babe. Oh, Flintstones. The Flintstones, no, but uh, yeah. the Babe and the Flintstones, yeah. uh, Arachnophobia. Yeah, very yeah. small part in that. But he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, if you don't, you don't from Rosine, you're blinded by everything else. Yeah. But great career. Still doing a lot of stuff too. Um, are you looking up the ones we missed? Uh, I'll take a look here. Yeah. Okay. On with the podcast. Yeah. Um, we get back to talk about the story here. Um, this is where uh, Brenda um, is talking about with Frank Jr. about her abortion and how her parents, they're not her parents anymore, basically. They disowned her because she had an abortion. 
And he says, Brenda, what if you're engaged to a doctor? Would that change anything? And uh, so next we get Frank Jr. and Brenda at her parents' house. And uh, uh, her dad, played by the great uh, Martin Sheen, said, uh, Frank, would you like to say grace? He's like, yeah, sure. Um, and he tells the two little mice <laughs> fell on the back of the cream. And that one mice, he turned that cream into butter. And the mother says, that mouse, he turned that cream into butter. <laughs> Such a great link. Um, and uh, he's talking about how he's, a, how he's a doctor. He's like, well, honestly, I've been talking about trying to um, trying to go and pass the bar so I can be a lawyer. And uh, they ask, where did you go to school? And he says, Berkeley. And they're like, oh! because he accidentally picked the place where Brenda's dad actually went to, went to law school. Um, he definitely didn't want to do that. And uh, um, Martin Sheen says, uh, was that Snake Hollingsworth still teaching there? He's like, yeah, Hollingsworth, grumpy old Hollingsworth. He's like, and that dog of his, what was the name of his little dog? Because her dad knows he's full of shit and he's trying to trying to trip him up. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry that the dog had died. You know? Yeah. But also, how much older Martin Sheen than uh, even him playing 10 years older than he is? I'm just guessing the professor wouldn't have been there for... Yeah, 50 years. <laughs> no, he wasn't that much older than him, but he was a lot older. Anyway, it's a it's a good little thing. He tries to trip him up, and um, so basically he talks to uh, you know, he's he's in New Orleans now. He's got a handwritten goes to Atlanta where he was, but he's in New Orleans now because of her. Um, and uh, her dad wants to know the truth, and uh, he's like, "Truth is, I'm a doctor, a lawyer, or or a." Hey, a pilot, I'm just a man who's in love with your daughter. Yeah. You're like, no, that's not it. That's not all. You're, you're romantic, just like me. And it's great that he threw in the whole uh, pilot thing in there. His dad didn't know anything about the whole pilot bullshit. That could have made him make you look even crazier, you know, if he did that. But um, And uh, Carl, they're back in the present time on the flight headed back to Yeah, except the that also in that last part of that scene is the dad sends me his son, go ahead and ask me that question you want to ask me. Right, right. And he goes, how do I, get how, how do I take the bar exam? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He goes, not that question, the other one. Right, right. Meaning, ask, ask my daughter's hand in marriage. Yeah. And uh, Carl's asking him on the, on the plane, he's like, how did you cheat on the bar exam in Louisiana? And he doesn't, he's not going to give him an answer. He's like, are you going to get that egg clear? You give me that egg clear, I'll, I'll tell you how I did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, no, basically he's going to eat the whole thing. Yeah, eats it in front of him, stuffs his face full of it. Yeah. And uh, so now he's watching Perry Mason for uh, for his uh, research. And uh, he's in court doing the same stuff he saw on the uh, on there. And it's a preliminary hearing. And he's like, you know, yeah. the people, people of the jury, he's trying to default the great or lie to the great state of Louisiana. And the, the judge is like, there's not even a jury. There is no defendant. There is no jury. It's just me, son. Would you mind telling me what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and uh, they're back at the house with the parents, and uh, they say, "Is it Mitch?" And uh, and, the, and they're like, "Oh my God, I lost track of time." They're going to the TV uh, with uh, I can't even think of his name. What was the last name? Mitch. Uh, Mitch Miller. Mitch Miller. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're doing a sing along, and uh, Frank Jr.'s looking around, and it's very corny, but he loves it. He loves it. They're like a real family. 
you know, even though it's, it's kind of, he thinks it's silly, but it's like, oh, this is great. I like this, you know, and they're singing the song and, uh, um, and uh, he's visiting, uh, he's visiting his dad again and talking about the IRS and uh, the dad saying, I'll make them chase me for the rest of their lives. You know, he's just his dad being re- even just more like, won't let the whole thing go. Um, Frank Jr. is giving an invitation. He's like, Daddy, I'm getting married. Um, and everything they took from us, I'm getting it back. And he's basically telling them he's going to make all his problems go away. He's got the money. But his dad just doesn't, his dad just doesn't even want to hear it. He's just wants to hear. It. He's like, where are you going, Frank? Where are you going to tonight? You know, he's, uh, he's enthralled by the fact that he, he's a great con man and he got away with all this stuff, essentially. Um, and he's not accepting the, you know, the help, the money he could give him. And, uh, uh, once again, Frank calls Carl on Christmas Eve, and uh, he uh, tells him uh, he's getting married, basically. And uh, and he, he's talking about the, he's like, you know, he's telling the FBI guys he can't change his name anymore. He's, he, if he uh, changes his name, he loses the girl. Right. He got the, the girl, he changes his name, he loses the girl. Fine, Frank Connor. Yeah. Getting married to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then there's a wedding reception, and Hanready shows up, and uh, Frank is about to leave. Uh, he tells Brenda the truth. Um, he's like, "I'm not a pilot. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, my name's not even uh, Frank Connors." He's like, "In that, he says they're not a Lutheran." Lutheran, and all she says at the end is like, "You're not a Lutheran." <laughs> <laughs> That's all she cared about. Um, and he's like, "Do you trust me, Brenda?" And uh, he basically tells her, you know, here's cash. Take a take a cab to Miami. Uh, meet me two days from now at the airport. And uh, you know, and then Hanratty sees the champagne bottle missing a label, so he knows Frank's there. Yeah. And, uh, he asked Brenda to be at uh, Miami International Airport. Um, Ten a.m. Yeah, and uh, he sees the Carl sees floating dollar bill under the under the door. It's kind of a uh, movie magic kind of looking, you know. Um, yeah, comes up from the door, floats up right past him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really kind of weird. Moving through the house like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, opens the bedroom door, the windows open, money's flying around. She's standing there off to the side holding a big wad of money. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next you get to the airport and he's watching for what's going on. He sees Brenda, but he can tell she doesn't look right. She's looking around. She's car. not happy. He doesn't look happy. He gets out of his car. He's about to call to her, and then some guy walks up and whispers to Brenda. He yeah. sees that. Yeah. And he starts noticing all the guys with the hats on. Yeah, he sees the the guys that look like G-Men everywhere, which probably all of them were, but he even if they weren't, he was seeing them. You know, there's people everywhere, guys with the hats, and the guys pretending to fix the antenna on top of the yeah. airport, and um, and he and uh. So he doesn't go in and uh, Carl's talking to his FBI guys. It's like, no, he's here. And uh, he's like, well, couldn't he have taken, couldn't he have taken, uh, driven to Atlanta. airport in New York or not, or Atlanta? He's like, cause I'm not in New York. I'm not in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is where he calls a, a high school or whatever. He does a stewardess recruitment program. Yeah. Um, and he's up there talking to a bunch of women. And of course, they all want to be a steward. It's a very glamorous pro- uh, profession. Um, so he recruits eight, eight girls. Um, and at the airport, uh, Hanred is directing people, telling them what to do. And you see uh, 
Frank interviewing. You got the one girl that says, uh, "We fly in uh, six thousand miles per hour, an altitude of three hundred feet, <laughs> and uh, uh, come fly with me." Is playing. Uh, they walk through the airport. All the cops staring at the women, um, and uh, uh, a guy is uh, sitting in a white coupe de ville out front. He's the decoy, and uh, they rush out there thinking it's him. And he's like, "I'm supposed to pick up some guy." He's like, "Who are you picking up?" And he pulls up the sign, sign says handwriting on there. With a D. Uh, yeah. Further embarrassing, embarrassing him. Um, and you get to seven months later, he's in Europe cashing checks, real checks. It's like saying it's real checks. Um, he goes to the expert on printing, Carl does. He's like, nobody does work like this in the States. Nobody but us. Where do they do it? Germany, Great Britain, France, France. So they like Montrachard. And so it's Christmas Eve, 1967. Frank's mom's hometown. Right. And uh, Carl walks into the old factory. Frank is there printing stuff. Frank's happy to see him. Uh, Carl says, two dozen French police officers outside. He's like, two dozen on Christmas Eve? And Frank thinks he's lying. He's like, but Captain Luke said, and he's like, oh, Captain Luke, that sounds very official. Captain Luke. Uh, Frank wants to walk out. He's like, they're going to kill you. Is that the truth? Yeah. They walk out, no one is there at first, but then the police cars pull up. When I first saw this way back when, yeah, I was up and down like like DiCaprio. Oh, it's just the truth. It's right. a lot of truth line. And then right. he walks out and I'm like, he played him. played right. him really well. And then right. the cop show believes, oh, maybe he didn't. Right, right. Um, and uh, this is where they're on the plane. And you see uh, Frank Jr. says, you have to let me call my father before I get there. And then Carl scoots over next to him and says, uh, tells him about his dad. His dad died, fell yeah. on the stairs. The steps at Grand Central uh, broke his neck. Um, and uh, and then Frank's in, upset. He goes into the bathroom. Frank escapes through the toilet. Uh, Carl goes tries to go through the toilet. Uh, Frank drops out the bottom of the plane as it's about to stop. Uh, runs across the runway. He goes home. Not trying to get away. He just wants to go home and sees his mom. And what he finds out is his sister, because the little girl says, "Where's your mommy?" And she points to his mom. I uh, didn't know about his his uh, half sister there. Yeah. Uh, the cops show up. Uh, he sentenced to twelve years in Atlanta's max security prison, isolation, isolate, isolation for the entirety of the whole thing. Uh, Carl's visiting him in prison on Christmas Eve, and he's talking about a paper hanger working his way through Minnesota. And uh, Frank looks at the check and said, it's a teller at the bank. Sixes and nines, they always go first. They're cracking. They always use hand stamps. So then uh, Carl brings his boss back to look at more checks. And uh, they offer him a job at the FBI. They can pull him out of prison. He's like, oh, I already got a job here. I deliver the mail. And, you know, he says, under whose customer would I be? And it's under Carl's custody. Uh, his first day at the FBI, um, um and he asked him, uh, how long do I have to work here? And he's like, well, you get off at five or whatever. He's like, no, I mean, how long? He's like, well, till, till we let you go every day. And uh, he sees a pilot uniform in a store window. Um, he's asking Carl, what should I do till Monday? And he's dressed as a pilot walking through the airport. And uh, he's getting ready to take off somewhere out of the country, probably. And uh, Carl's following him. He's like, how do, how do you know I'll come back? He's like, look, Frank, nobody's chasing you. And uh, on Monday. We also asked him about that. The bar. 
The bar. How'd you, yeah. How do you, how'd you, study, how'd you uh, pass the bar exam? Mm. You know what? I studied for two weeks. You just took the test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's late on Monday, very late. And Carl thinks he's never coming back, but he shows up. And then, and then you get the info at the end. You get the info about what the Craig Jr. is doing scroll. today. Yeah. At least, you know, 20 years ago when the movie came out, what yeah. he's doing today. And yeah. So. And credits. Yeah. And that's the way it ends. Um, an outstanding movie. Very good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Uh, and. The Carl character kind of became a pseudo father father figure for him. Yeah, and they set it up that way with him calling him on Christmas Eve and and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. In uh, some of the notes I read, you know, Frank uh, Jr. was asked about, "Did you really uh, call the FBI like every Christmas?" He goes, "Well, hell no, I don't want them to know where I was." <laughs> so yeah. that was like something that was made up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the and the the character of Carl was an amalgam of, of several different. FBI guys, and no one was really chasing as hard as that. They were all looking for him, but mm-hmm. not really chasing him down. Yeah. Uh, he basically tripped himself up and got caught. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, time to talk about the villains list. Um, villain in the movie? Well, if DiCaprio's character is the hero, Hanks is the villain. Mm-hmm. If Hanks is the hero, DiCaprio's the villain, neither one makes the list, though. No, no way. It's, uh, they're they're like two sides of the same coin. They're simpatico. They wind up working for the side of good, law mm-hmm. and order. Uh, so, okay, yeah, I agree. There's whatever. There's no chance they make the list. Yeah, it's hard to make the list now. So would this be on your? I know you know it's number four on my list. Um, would this make your top one hundred? Um. Yeah, it would. I'm not sure about how high. Would be, yeah. be pretty low, actually. Uh, I like other Spielberg movies more than this. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say uh, Reservoir Stark would be my number one Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, time to talk about uh, plugs. We have any plugs? No. Uh, back to the Spielberg movies. I, I did recognize or did see a lot of Spielberg type shots in the movie. Like, oh, that's Spielberg. Like, yeah. Little things that you like. Oh, that's the stuff that Spielberg does. There was mm-hmm. one scene where. Uh, uh, FBI agents are looking for him somewhere, and you see this guy come across. All he sees the gun. It's it's like the gun hand holding guns this way, then another one coming this way, and another one coming this way, mm-hmm. and that's a, like a static fixed shot. But the people are walking across, and all you ever see is the midsection of the gun leading. Mm-hmm. That's Frank Spielberg. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, plugs are just plugs, uh, uh, no. yeah. The podcast, the podcast. Uh, yeah, watch uh, all the Indiana Jones movies uh, and. Uh, Every other Spielberg movie ever made. Yeah. Start with Duel, work your way forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's time to talk about what we're doing next week. Next week we're doing the number three. Number three movie on the list. The third most, first third best movie ever third made. Best movie ever made according to you. Yeah, according to me. That's right. Uh, next week you buy a case of Dapper Dan, get paid ten dollars to sing into a can, and are you N N O F T? Mm-hmm. That's right. Next week, we're talking about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love. Hello. Hi. Haven't I seen you before? 
Maybe. A couple years ago, I was on the cover of Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, that model, right? Cheryl. The guys used to put your picture on their lockers. Isn't that your silver car I saw parked out front? Yeah. One of them. So, think I could get an autograph? Do you have a pen in your room? Deck of cards at the hotel gift shop. You want to see a card trick? How much do these cards cost? Fifty-five cents, I think. And if they sold me downstairs at the hotel gift shop, how much would you pay? Should I pay for what? The entire night. How much would you pay me for the entire night? Cheryl, I, I really don't know. Downstairs to cash a check. You think this hotel is going to cash a thousand dollar check at 3 a.m.? It's a New York savings and loan check. It's like gold. They'll cash it. Don't you think they might get a little suspicious? It, let me see that. It's a cashier's check. Endorse it over to me. No. I couldn't do that. See, this check is for 1400 We agreed upon a thousand. Why don't I give you back 400 and you give me that check? Even better. <laughs> 